0: I want to tell you about one of our partners, Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, black, and indigenous women-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, PD coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. Their newly released abolitionist teaching workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they have been called The Future of Educational Justice by Dr. Bettina Love. You can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visiting QuetzalEC.com. That is Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L-E-C.com and if you mention you heard about them through Two Dope Teachers, you will receive a five percent discount on their abolitionist teaching pd series once again you can book them by visiting quetzalec.com on their connect with us page everybody, welcome to Habitually Disruptive, I'm Gerardo Munoz and it is Valentine's Day. Feel the love, I hope you're feeling the love today. Um, on my drive into work, I didn't feel a lot of love from y'all drivers. Yeah, I see you, you act like nobody knows how you're driving and the ways that you're behaving. But yo, I hope, I hope you get a box of Whitman's trash chocolate for Valentine's Day. I hope your boo forgets that it was Valentine's Day or gets you something whack. Because that ain't right how you was driving today. Anyway, um, that's enough about my struggles. Welcome back to Habitually Disruptive. We're about to get into episode 11 with the great Autumn Rivera. This episode's a little bit of a throwback because my grad program and my job is trying are, are in cahoots with each other to try to kill me. And uh, I'm not dead yet, so that's something that uh, most of us can kind of be happy about. Um, I'm still out here out here. Anyway, um, well, first of all, I just wanted to just shout everybody out. It's just so amazing to see the type of engagement that we are still getting, even though the episodes are sometimes few and far between. We kind of had a, a burst of episodes this weekend, so we're going to try to get back to that 2 production schedule, habitually disruptive on Mondays to get you disrupting your Monday in a good way. The Exit Interview Monthly on Wednesdays, and of course, Two Dope Teachers and a Mic, the flagship, on a Friday. Uh, we also have this uh, Twitter campaign that a bunch of us are being a part of. It's hashtag Love Teaching Week. Um, and, you know, I anticipate there's going to be a little bit of, you know, certain types of positivity tweets out there and I'm here for it just be positive any way that you can you know I can't do the toxic positivity for myself um, but today February 14th is masterful Monday I'll be uploading some videos um, and some content on the Twitters and on the Instagrams where you can follow me and other 2Dope Productions at 2 Teachers on Twitter Instagram and Facebook and if you have feedback or ideas um, or if you just want to give us some love on this Valentine's Day Uh, feel free to hit us up, 2dopeteachers at gmail.com. So the prompt for uh, today is Masterful Monday. So the question is, what's one thing you have seen students master that reminds you why you hashtag love teaching? Okay, so um, I love teaching. I don't love being a teacher right now. It's a very difficult environment systemically. This isn't um, something I'm directing at my leadership or any individual system or leadership, it's really um, kind of the tone that uh, teachers are being treated with around here. So being a teacher and being subject to some of this uh, less than affectionate uh, feedback, blowback if you will, isn't my favorite thing. But I will tell you one thing, came in today in kind of a cruddy mood, just not feeling real positive. Like I said, Um, the drive in is very frustrating if you live in Denver, Colorado, because there are cars everywhere, everywhere, and it's just very frustrating. Um, But I will say that I came in and uh, my students, they showed up for me, man. So on Friday, I did this uh, bonding activity, this team building activity I like to do. It's not real complex. It's like, literally all they do is put something nice on a piece of construction paper for each of the people in in their class. And so this is, this is kind of a team. And so there are 14 students on the team and I instructed all of them to write their name at the top of a sheet of construction paper. And then they went around to each sheet of construction paper and wrote nice things to each other, things from the heart, not just stuff like you're cool, you're nice, like stuff like that. And some of these, man, I love my students. Some of the things they say um, are amazing and I can't necessarily uh, repeat some of them. But um, one one student said, you made me you made school feel safe again. You always make a smile. Um, I have another one that um, said that you're my fave teacher dead ass like a dad. (laughs) Really beautiful. And so that's the kind of stuff that just feels really good. And, And I will say that I think one thing that my students have mastered is empathy they know how to show up for each other. And I'll be giving a keynote address at the University of Northern Colorado's uh, Future Teacher Expo. Super looking forward to that, Dr. Kaiser and everybody who's making that possible. And um, that's gonna be the topic, is how do we build community and how when you are teaching, you don't have to be alone. And I was in this kind of low space. And of course my family, you know, showing the love, my good friends showing the love, but really the students, understanding that they are a part of this is something that's really beautiful. Um, I think that there's a trend in some educational spaces where students feel very entitled, um, where parents feel that everything that goes wrong in the classroom comes to a specific teacher action. And while I do think teachers are the most important presence in the classroom, as the eminent Harry Wong once taught us, I also believe that we can teach community and I also believe that if we teach community, then we become a part of a community and a community takes care of each other. And that was just such a beautiful thing for me to get for my students when I walked in this morning, right after I told them I was not in the best mood, and I was doing my best. It was just something that was really beautiful. And I've noticed time and time again, how much they show up for each other and for me and for my colleagues here at our school. I think it's a really hard thing to receive sometimes. Especially if you've been inundated with the message that if things are going badly in your classroom, you specifically have to fix them. If you are unhappy in your job, you specifically individually have to fix it. And I think the thing that most distru- disrupts that toxic cycle is when we, when we step in, um, in the spirit of collective healing. And I'm only barely starting to learn the concept of collective healing. I'm in community with some amazing folks lately. And um, I'm learning a lot about collective healing and decolonization from them. And it's a beautiful thing. But you don't have to be alone in this work. Um, There's a community to build. And communities do take care of each other. So uh, that's a good feeling that I have. Also, another silver lining for today is... um, Y'all, if you don't listen to EduCrush with Natalie Vardabasso, you're you're really missing out because what you're missing out on is, on is some powerful, authentic, transformative, and inspiring but real conversations. And the conversation today was about reclaiming inquiry-based um, teaching and learning. And um, you know, and I messaged uh, Nat because I I think we're friends, um, podcast friends, and I said to her, you know, it's so amazing that you did this episode because. On the one hand, I felt challenged um, to do better and to improve in this area, but I also felt affirmed. And so it felt really good listening to that episode and also walking away with a couple of things that I can, I can start working on, you know, soon. I don't have to wait until next year or in some far off distant future. And it involves student voice. And so, you know, I have a passion for that. So... Well, listen, this uh, conversation with Autumn um, was right after she was named Colorado Teacher of the Year. In the interim, things have changed a lot. Autumn Rivera, 2022 Colorado Teacher of the Year, is now a Final Four national finalist for, um, for National Teacher of the Year through the CCSSO. And I've just been so blessed to be in community with Autumn. She's an incredible person. Matter of fact, we're speaking at an event together next week, and I'm just excited to be in her presence. So uh, this is a throwback episode, but really are hoping that you enjoy it and hoping it gives you more of um, what we all know about Autumn and is that she's a terrific person and an amazing human. So uh, enjoy, and we will catch you on the next Habitually Disruptive. Here is Autumn Rivera. hey yo what is up everybody it's Head i here i am here with Rivera, the 2022 colorado teacher of the year
1: Woo!
0: Yes. what is happening how are you i'm good
1: i'm just hanging out in my classroom on a sunday living the in the classroom on a
0: sunday i wasn't <laughs> going to say anything i was not going to say anything um but you put yourself out there and so yes yeah. autumn is hanging out in her classroom On a Sunday, but it's because she had to make the trek all the way to Denver to do some teacher of the year stuff. So what are you, what's it like working in your room on a Sunday?
1: Um, It's actually really quiet, which I appreciate. Like it's quiet. You can like focus, you can blare your music and do whatever. It. Yeah, and and it's cold, as in sometimes the heater's not turned on, so you got to bring, like, right. your layers, you know, to, like, <laughs> you got to wear your parka so you can work in your classroom on a Sunday,
0: but, That's you know. Right. Wearing... I really like this corner of your classroom, by the way. I'm just, look, like, looking at your periodic table back there, on. looking at the butterfly diversity poster. That's really mm-hmm. dope. Do you um, see the Ninja turtle collection? I see the turtle collection. Oh, is, is it Ninja Turtles? That is. It is, is Ninja, turtle, Ninja turtle, turtle collection. So I'm like I'm like a turtle collector. I collect little turtle figurines. Oh, cool. Um, and so my daughter's friends refer to me as Turtle Dad because I have all these like little turtle figures. But yours is very specific. That's it's Ninja Turtles. Specific.
1: Yeah, seventeen years ago, I had a. a Co-worker tell me like you kind of have to get a gimmick in middle school and so the gimmick of middle of Ninja Turtles and I have nice. been for 17 years there's a lot going on there but yeah I love it so
0: how does this work do they like so you accumulate Ninja Turtles and do, do the students give you Ninja Turtles Is yeah they're happens? all
1: gifts I don't buy any of them they're all gifts um from <laughs> so I have like an original Nintendo video game and I have wow um, no nah, there's some deep over
0: there yeah. Is that of- like a little boom box on the top shelf? Yeah, there's a
1: radio up top and a lunchbox and a canada
0: and a clock.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. And I probably need to make more room to be completely honest.
0: But yeah. I'm starting to wonder if maybe like I'm not that good of a middle school teacher because I don't have a gimmick <laughs> uh, and whatever gimmick I have. So I have this like, I have this like rapper teacher gimmick that I, that I guess I do with high schoolers, but it's a lot of it. Like middle schoolers um, aren't as receptive, I should say. Interesting. Uh, to old people rapping, so I don't know. It it is one of those things. So maybe, you maybe-
1: do more. You should embrace it more. I feel like when the middle schoolers aren't embracing it, that's when I push more. Like okay. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, I mean th- that's the thing about teaching middle school. So you do you currently teach eighth grade? Do I have that right?
1: Actually, I'm a sixth grade teacher. Sixth grade. Mostly, do teach seventh and eighth a little bit, but mostly. Okay. Grade. But I have taught it all. So yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. So we in high school, and we're a six through twelve school. So. Okay. The, the concept of middle schoolers isn't one that's foreign to us, but I think for a lot of us who teach high school, we, we look at middle school as kind of this unsolvable puzzle. Like, Of course, in 2022, the, the Colorado Teacher of the Year is a middle school teacher because <laughs> in the most difficult like, moment in the history of education, we also recognize a person who works with a group of people who are misunderstood in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you love teaching middle school? I,
1: I don't know why middle schoolers are, have always been my people. They have just been my people. I think they're just old enough that you don't have to like tie shoes or any of those pieces, but you right. are able to like help them. They're like becoming themselves. They're first deciding they want to have their own opinions and they want to learn things for themselves. And so I get a chance to sort of help shape that and yeah. listen to the questions and let them sort of debate. And just to watch the change from sixth grade to eighth grade is so dramatic. And so, yeah. You know, they're just fun. They're dorky and they're fun and they're awkward and they're smelly and all of those things. And and I love them.
0: (laughs) Yes. The deodorant conversation with sixth graders is always a really interesting one. Um, Yeah. I, you know, and I I actually love middle schoolers. I, like I said, I don't believe that that group is in my wheelhouse, but you know what? One thing I've learned about, I have an eighth grade class this year. And one thing I've learned about eighth graders is A, they're really petty. They're so petty. Like, they just do not care. They will talk to you about your hair, about your crooked teeth, about, you know, your creased uh, sneakers. Like, they got something to say about everything about you. But I've also really come to realize that I have to swallow my pride a lot with middle schoolers. Like, I have to be ready to just be whatever they're going to respond to, if that means being goofy, if that means, you know, being just really kind and loving, but also letting them make fun of me. What, what's your take on that? What, is, yeah, is there a special well, skill set? The
1: I would say the most evil being on this planet is a middle <laughs> school girl. Like I was one of them. I know. Okay, so I, you know what you're shit. talking about. I've been that person. Like you you have no social skills. You can't, right. your brain hasn't developed enough to really see it from someone else's point of view. And then all of a sudden you're like set free on the world and you cannot always make the best choices. And so I think, <laughs> I think a letting students see a good model, kind of like you said, like laughing it off or being serious or whatever, but letting them see sort of you experience that. And then also not being afraid to call them on it, like stopping yeah. them and then being like, you just said that this student was being gay. Like, what does that mean? Like, let's process it. Let's yeah, talk, yeah. it. let's have a conversation. And like in that moment, allowing students to sort of learn from that. But, um, yeah. I was just talking with my college roommate this weekend about middle school girls and how they are <laughs> quite, quite mean that those girls are. <laughs> oh no, I,
0: Yeah. I remember I was also like, so when it comes to thinking about who we were, like, I was the most obnoxious seventh and eighth grader that, I think anyone could ever meet, if there was a bad idea, I would do it. And you know, because I wasn't processing things and I was looking for an experience to feel.
1: <laughs> and yeah. so I
0: think, so when I think about the middle school boys in my, in my school and when they start kind of pushing the envelope with some of their behaviors, I have to pause and just kind of remember, okay, remember like you would have been best friends with these kids. Like y'all would have just done whatever you wanted to at yeah. this time. So well, let's talk a little bit about that though. Um, so in the Chalkbeat article that introduced you as Colorado Teacher of the Year, first of all, congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it it's been is, a crazy ride already.
0: Yeah, no. And your year hasn't even technically started. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part. It's like you get the recognition and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you got to coordinate your, your blue bunny ice cream. You got to like, there's going to be this thing that happens. Colorado parents going to want to talk to you. Like, so there's all of these no. things that happen. Um, And so I'm just so excited for you. I think it's an amazing thing. And I just want to formally welcome you into the family of uh, Colorado Teachers of the Year. We're a pretty tight crew and uh, we're really excited to get to know you a little bit.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite parts about like when the announcement was made is my phone blew up a lot from like family and stuff, but also from you guys, like, you know, Facebook messages, everything, congratulations. And that was just so awesome to be welcomed in by people who have been there and have experienced it because it's a life-changing experience. And so I was able to have all those people reach out and just like, be like, we're here whenever you're ready and you want to talk, we're here. And so that was amazing. It is That's interesting, amazing. though, that they give you, like, I did my first media training on Thursday, yeah, yeah, which was yeah. hot, but I'm like, I've already done a lot of media since this happened, so hopefully I did it okay, because, yeah. like, it just is yeah. thrown at you. It's like, uh, you know, here we go.
0: Yeah, there's definitely that aspect of it where they they really want you to understand, you know, how you're representing teachers. It, it's pretty interesting, though, because I think, I think for me, the, the media training was really intimidating, and then I just kind of, found a way to just talk to people and I'm not really a very partisan person anyway. Um, and so that kind of worked out, but yeah, no, so it's dope. I got to watch um, the video. I didn't get to be there. I was really hoping I could be there to, to see you get recognized because, you know, as um, educators of color, there's just not a lot of us in the profession. And I imagine, and we'll talk a little bit about your particular context where you teach and kind of how you navigate those things, the things that are important to you in the community that you live in knowing that that community adores you just like mm-hmm. knowing how much they love you but let's let's take it back kind of to the beginning so in the article you said that you'd wanted a teacher since you were you want to be a teacher since you were really young uh tell me about that what was it about teaching that yeah. that made you want to be a part of it
1: you know I come from a long line of teachers you know my mom is a teacher her um grandma was a grandfather was a teacher and just this long line of sort of teachers and it I just, I look back now, I don't think I realized it, that I just always found myself in situations of sort of teaching. Um, You talked about in middle school, sort of what you were like, I was very opposite. I was super shy. Like I remember like just having to give presentations in front of classes and like hating that situation. But in the more like informal world, like we would have a group of kids playing and I was always the one organizing the game. I was always the one volunteering to help lead different things. And so I think it just sort of started, um, and yeah. kind of went from there, I yeah. didn't really know at grade level. I don't think that was really a thing until I was in college, and I was thinking elementary school. And someone was like, "Hey, why don't why don't you try middle school? Like, you're a biology <laughs> major. Let's try it." And so I went in and observed, and never looked back. And was like, "Yep, I found my people. I'm here. I'm good to go." And so, yeah. um, seven years later, here we are.
0: Yeah, you said seventeen, right? Yeah. It's impressive. Um, do you get those looks from people um, when you say you've been teaching for 17 years? They're like, how? Has yeah, you I think specifically with
1: long? middle school, they're like, oh, my gosh, how do you do that? <laughs> but I think it is it is very interesting. You know, I, I've had experience teaching all the way down from elementary school and I'm a, a college adjunct professor right now. So I sort of experienced it, all the grade levels. But something yeah. about a schooler is, is my, my cup of tea. I really I love them.
0: Yeah. So some of the one, a couple of the experiences that you um, that kind of got pushed you closer and closer to becoming a science teacher. um, There were your international experiences. Um, There were your experiences working with youth in various places, Um, Boys and Girls Club, Watching Mountain Science Center, that kind of thing. Um, What from those experiences did you take into your classroom? And I'm setting you up because I know that your classroom is a little bit different than a lot of science classrooms that I've seen.
1: Yeah, I think all those experiences, you know, in in high school and in college, going to Mexico, um, doing some volunteer work there. And I was in Kenya the summer of twenty. 2002, you can't say 20, (laughs)
0: 2002,
1: 2002, I'm getting old, Um, you know, spending time, I volunteered in an orphanage there, and worked with kids, and babies, Um, just all of those things, they were experiences, you know, it wasn't just traveling, but it was the experience itself, and so I just really find that to be important in my classroom, and allowing my students to have those experiences, and so just trying to provide that situation um, as much as possible, it's one thing to like watch someone do it or have a video do it. But if a student can experience it hands on and kind of see it with their own eyes, it really helps. It also helps just with that equity piece. I think a lot of times we assume that students have a certain background. Yeah. I taught in Colorado Springs for seven years and I taught students who grew up their whole lives there and had never been to Garden of the Gods. They'd never yeah. been this amazing place that was just, you know, 20 minutes down the road. And so I learned that I can't assume that students are going to have the same background. And so trying to provide that background so that we can all be on an equal or as equal as we can be playing field with that same um, background knowledge. And so we're studying the uh, Grizzly Creek fire that happened in the Glenwood Canyon a couple of years ago. Um, And I wanted the students to sort of see that. And I would hope that a lot of them would have driven through the canyon and experienced that but that's not necessarily the case. And yeah. so we took them on the river. We, we loaded them up. We um, partnered with Defiance Rafting Company and we were able to take the students from where the fire started all the way down to our middle school. And so they got to see not only the fire, but the uh, mudslides that happened the following summer. And we've been using that sort of as our anchoring phenomena moving forward this entire semester, which has been really powerful to have those students have that experience because for many of them, it was the first time on a raft. So it was yeah. a little... A little crazy, but they're. I'm always proud at the end. They're like, We did it, we survived. It
0: yeah, thing. we survived. Yes, yeah. we didn't lose anybody again. I know, so right? I,
1: I was just talking with someone like, When you go on a field trip, you know, like 98% return is not okay. Like, you've got to have 100% return. So, you know, we did, we did every time. But, you know, I'll great.
0: joke with my high schoolers, I'm like, You know, we leave when we leave, and as long as I bring back a majority of you, it's fine. <laughs> you know? yeah, um, so. So there seems to be kind of an urgency in the way that you teach science to middle schoolers. So not only the the Glenwood Canyon Fire, but also the designation of Sweetwater Lake as Colorado newest, Colorado's newest state park. How, how is it that, so there's always these um, sort of pressures between content and engagement, right? And um, how are you able to kind of stay in the moment and keep this urgency despite some of the academic pressure that a lot of us have.
1: I'm really lucky as a science teacher because um, in the words of Dr. Kenneth Miller, like the best time to teach science is right now. Like always right now is the best time because we know the most that we've ever known. We were experiencing the most we've ever experienced like right now in this moment. And so as a science teacher, it's really great. And science is really shifting from textbooks and the old white guys that happened a
0: zillion years ago. (laughs) Yes.
1: Happening right now, Here and I've been, I've been really awesome and had awesome experiences. To experience this summer, I worked with uh, Science Friday with the scientist um, Dr. Selena Wang. Yes,
0: oh, that's great,
1: um, Davis, and she is this amazing food chemist that's doing all this work. And I was able to partner with her to sort of help bring that science into the classrooms and really create yeah. lessons and resources on that.
0: And I think I think my wife saw you on um, a thing with the Museum of Nature and Science at some point.
1: Yeah. Working with them. too. I just want to bring the people in. I, I don't want science yeah. school to be this bubble. That's like all on its own. Like we're all like education only makes the community better and yeah. learning what's happening. Um, I heard Te- Dr. Temple Brandon speak about um at a color science conference a couple of years ago, and she talked about how students are only going to be thinking about the future careers that we introduce them to. So mm-hmm. I really try to introduce my students to as many different ideas of possible things they could do when they grow up, because I want them to have those experiences and think outside the box. So trying yeah. to bring as much as possible.
0: Absolutely. No, and it seems like a blast. Like, um, I follow your Instagram account, and every now and then you'll post these, these really amazing activities. I think that your class would have been one that maybe I didn't misbehave so much in. because <laughs> Because there was just like fun stuff to do and really important things.
1: It is true. If you have engaging work, like the kids are going to be, they're going to be working hard and you got to push them and you got to do it. But I, I've reached the sweet spot in teaching this year. I, I'm sure you know this where like the beginning of the year, you're just like keeping into those routines and you got to like work it and work it and right. it's exhausting. You're like, oh my gosh. But then yeah. when trained and they finally have it, it's usually October, November yeah. Then you can really like have fun and like do your things, and so I'm finally reaching that point now. And and we're doing a great. I'm here on a Sunday too because we're doing a big lab tomorrow, and I got to get everything set up. And yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, the lab setup is wild. I'm one of the teachers on my caseload is a 10th grade chemistry teacher, and he's had to take on a couple of um, student assistants to help set up like lab and that kind of thing. So, um, no, it's funny you say that because I feel like <laughs> this is just where my teaching is right now. Um, I feel like my students have trained me, so maybe I need to do a little bit of work um, <laughs> to kind of like get it going there because, uh, no, that's great. Um, really amazing stuff. I do have one question, and then we're going to take a break. Um, so the Kenneth Miller quote, the time to teach science is right now, right? This is yeah. a quote that you shared. Also kind of thinking about where we are as a country right now, I would tap into my Eastside Chicano roots and be like, yeah, but the time to teach science is right now, right now, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. not later. Um, how are you navigating some of what some would refer to as an attack on science, an attack on um, on scientific thinking and processes, um, living in the community that you live in and teaching in the community you teach in?
1: Yeah, I think it is right now that those science skills and you know, as Colorado has just adopted the new NGSS, adopted and adapted the new NGSS standards, a huge part of that is that scientific and engineering processes and helping yeah. my students understand how to analyze data and work on things like that. And like I said before, middle schoolers are at the perfect age to start developing their own opinion. And so it's, it's a really awesome experience to be able to show students, like, here's the data. Like, I am not telling you what to think. Like, here is the data, here are yeah. these pieces really trying to allow students develop those critical thinking skills, because that is more than ever right now. That is what we need is those, those thoughts. And we really talk about science and pseudoscience and how to just sort of determine the difference between the two of them and allow students to form their own opinions. I just think that is so important to allow students to sort of look at those claims, helping them understand that when you learn new evidence, your claim changes and celebrating that when you see a student do that and not just like latch on to your belief, but really change your ideas as you learn. As Maya Angelou says, like, as we know better, we do better and just do
0: do that piece. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I definitely feel like this is a place where science educators and social studies educators were kind of kindred souls in this moment, because just as there is pseudoscience being kind of bandied about as as science. There's also pseudo history um, and these kind of interpretive approaches to history that eliminate a lot of perspectives. And so I, I feel like I feel like they need to get people from our disciplines into the same room um, because I think a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with is is real similar. And for those of you who uh, don't know what's referred to, because maybe you're not a science teacher, uh, Autumn is referring to the Next Generation Science Standards. Um, which sort of brings together these three elements of practices, core ideas, and, and cross-cutting. Some really fascinating stuff, and I don't even teach science. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how the Colorado State Teacher of the Year is embracing her new title and um, and sort of talk a little bit about what's happening in her space and what she's looking forward to and all that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll have that when we come back from the break. But first want to tell you a little bit about Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, black, and indigenous women-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, PD, coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. Their newly released abolitionist teaching workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they've been called the future of educational justice by Dr. Bettina L. Love. Yes, the Dr. Bettina L. Love. You can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visiting QuetzalEC.com. That is Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L-E-C.com. And if you mention you heard about them through us, Two Dope Teachers, you will receive a 5% discount on their Abolitionist Teaching PD series. Once again, you can book them by visiting QuetzalEC.com on their Connect With Us Page. So, shout uh, out to Quetzal. Let's normalize hiring women of color and uh, and, uh, black and black and brown women to do all of our PDs going forward. So, I'm here with Autumn Rivera, who is doing work in the classroom, getting ready for another week of teaching. Only now, when she goes into the classroom, she is now the 2022 Colorado Teacher of the Year. Um, how's that title? Feeling for you right now?
1: I think it's like I said this last week, I fully embraced it. And I really am like, okay, let's go. I'm ready to do. Um, my students are always joking with me. If I do something nice or do something mean, they're always like, well, that's why you're Teacher of the Year. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they're going to take it away from you. So they're, they're cracking me up for sure. They're, they, it's been fun to experience it with them. You know, it's, yeah. it's been fun in yeah. general, but to really experience it with my students has been a very like, Unexpected, amazing part of the whole board. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, that's true. Like we were, we were remote when when I got the designation this year, and uh, and so I didn't have the same kind of experience. But I did have something happen where I was, I was trying to get a pair deck to work, and I couldn't get it to work right. And one of my sophomores um, unmuted long enough to say. Okay, so I guess that teacher of the year thing was just some one day stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're the best, though, right? They keep us on. They keep us on it.
0: No, they do. They do. So yeah, and that and that's so important that um, that you're kind of stepping into that because that's a big part of um, this role is kind of stepping into your power and realizing that there are people that you represent and people who won't get this platform and and won't have the opportunity to be present on a national level. What are the things that you're working on in terms of a message, in terms of how to talk about what's going on in Colorado for teachers, students, and their communities? What do you anticipate you'll be focusing on for your year?
1: Yeah, I think a couple that I've already mentioned and then one that's kind of more is newer is uh, the first one is just sort of that equity in education. And and we've all seen it specifically with, with COVID coming in. Um, and just how we all as teachers had to just totally switch everything and seeing how some of my students had a like quiet space to work and get everything done. And some of my yeah. students had, like a corner of a bedroom where they were really trying to focus, but there was three other family members in there and just really trying to help support our students. And it's been really great at our school. We've been working on just examining our own practice. Like who's represented on the walls of your classroom? Like whose work are you hanging up? Like really like stop and think about that. Like look in your classroom and look around and see who's being represented. And my guess is it's not who you think you, we all feel like we're really trying to represent all students, but it's not always the case. And so just trying to focus on that um, is one piece that I'm really I just think is super important that we need to do um, in our classrooms. And the second one is just that idea that students can make a change now. I think so many times we prepare our students for the future, whether yeah. it's the next future class, the next grade level, when you get to high school, when you get to college, all of those things. And students spend their whole life preparing for the future that they never get a chance to really experience the now. Mm-hmm. And know like how to do those next steps. and. So, So allowing my students to pursue their passion on saving a local lake that then blew up into this whole thing that now it's the the latest state park was just an example of that. And that was all student run. I was there supporting them, but that was their idea that they took and ran with it, which was awesome. And the final one I really want to focus on, and this is something I think all teachers are experiencing. And... It's been really great to have the support as a teacher. I think that's awesome. Um, but I think it's it's starting to carry over into sort of a toxic positivity situation where
0: yeah. you
1: know, teachers are heroes, teachers do it for the kids. Like,
0: it, We don't do like, it for the income. We do it for the outcome.
1: Yeah, all of those, you know, like they can <laughs> a whole list of them. And it's just like, yeah, it's too much. And so really trying to help people understand that like we as communities need to surround our our teachers, our educators and really find ways to help in this situation and really support them. Um, it's really great to get a lunch. It's really great to get um, a, a high five or a Starbucks coffee. I love me a I'll take it all day, but in the end, I'm still here on a Sunday getting work done. I'm still, I'm watching my, my teammates who have kids like work all day, go home, take care of their kids, put them to bed and then work another two or three hours. Like it's just, it's becoming too much. And so really sort of helping to change that community of education to just be more supportive. It's, it's not just meditating. It's not just self-care. It's really, we need to change our system.
0: I'm so glad you said that. I did such an important thing. We had an opportunity to uh, listen to a keynote by the Deputy Secretary of Education, and they uh, she spoke about self care. And you know, a few of us kind of pointed out, you know, self care is great. Um, humane and rational policy is better, and those kind of systems need to be put in place. Um, so, what do you see as? So, what you know, what you're saying and what you're describing really does um kind of it kind of meshes really well with a lot of the data that's coming out um teacher attrition is already really high and we're not even halfway through the year yet um we're projected to experience the highest loss of classroom teachers that we've ever had uh, relative mm-hmm. to the population what are the things that need to happen in order for colorado teachers to remain in the classroom and continue to be a light for their kids the way you've been
1: Yeah, I think um, there's a lot, there's a laundry list of things and I'm sure things I haven't even fully realized or we don't even know, but one is just that fully funding of education. Right now we are trying to, you know, drive this boat, steer this boat where we just have duct tape everywhere, you know, it's been duct tape. We're trying to make it work, and it's it's exhausting and overwhelming, and I'm just teachers are not going to be able to do it. They like physically will not be able to do it anymore. It's not that and a lot of
0: us are opting kids. out. A lot yeah. of us are saying, yeah, I'm just not going to do this anymore.
1: Yeah. Like, I, it's ridiculous. I don't need to do this. I can get paid a lot more and work a lot less, and so I think even people who are super passionate about it, I just really worry that that is going to change, and so really looking at our funding and how we process that, I mean, we are in the bottom 5% of funding in the entire United States. And it's Colorado, like I love this place. We're amazing, we're awesome. Like it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that that's where that is. And I'm hoping that that can start to change, but it's really hard to watch. I know in my school district, 75% of our teachers work more than one job. And so it's hard to focus wow. 75%. On,
0: yeah.
1: To be able to focus on doing your work. I mean, I was in a meeting the other day with a teacher, we were virtual and she was working her second job at a hotel. And so she would have to pause for a second and like check wow. in a person and then come back to it. Um, and that's not including her lesson planning or her grading or her reaching out to her students yeah. any of the
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a real issue. And, um, you know, one of the things that's really disgraceful, I think, on a on a statewide level is the fact that Colorado's class of 2022 is about to graduate without having ever had a single day of fully funded education. And these are the the, this this is a crisis, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and if we don't think that this crisis relates to the youth mental health crisis that we're dealing with, I think I think that we're being really naive um that's such an important point and the importance of humanizing everybody involved in the work i think can't be overstated at this point um so we're super excited I, I give the stamp of approval on those messages those are powerful messages i'm still working um, on it so good. <laughs> good. Well, and, the, and that's the thing is i think i think that as you interact with like incredible people my favorite thing about this year, last year has been just meeting so many amazing people I've been able to learn from. And um, and I think that's where the message continues to evolve and become modified and inclusive of more and all that kind of stuff. Um, I wanna ask you a little bit about the locality you teach in because I think that Colorado, a lot of people don't realize that Colorado is diverse in all kinds of ways. Like they, when they imagine Colorado and they're not from here, they imagine gentrifiers, they imagine skiers, they imagine like this, well, kind of like everybody goes to Vail on the weekend and parties it up and sits in the hot tub. Uh, but Colorado is really different from that. And in a lot of ways, I'm in a bubble in Denver where a lot of the content that I teach doesn't come under scrutiny. A lot of the methods that I use don't come under scrutiny because of where I teach both politically, socially, economically, and so on. You teach in the Western Slope, which is really different from the city of Denver. Um, Talk a little bit about how you can continue to engage as a progressive, as somebody who is advocating for the community and for, you know, frankly, causes that tend to be more liberal causes in an area that is very politically mixed. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. And it is is interesting because I have taught in a a wide range of places. I taught in Colorado Springs for seven years, which Mm
0: -hmm. is- Yeah.
1: Uh, Maybe a little different than um, how I kind of align politically and just, and then moving here to Glenwood where it's, it's very diverse and kind of almost a little polarized in some situations because we have a couple different communities here, but I think really just helping understand. And I think building those relationships with people, it's one of the biggest things I think with teaching is building those relationships with your students. And when students like, you know, your students and your students know you, it really helps to depolarize those situations. And I think yeah. sharing your stories is so important. And to listen to your students' stories, to hear what's going on, to ask about the soccer game or what's going on with their mom, the little brother that was just born, the new puppy they got, like, <laughs> yes. the stories really helps your students. Um, understand where you're coming from and you can kind of understand where they're coming from and just create those relations. Because I think if we always just kind of keep it on the specific, like, here's what you're supposed to teach. Here's what you're supposed to talk about. Then we lose that important piece that is building those relationships. That's that's how we're going to branch out. And that's how we're going to sort of help heal is by getting to know each other, getting to know your story.
0: Definitely. And you're from the area. And I think that really helps. And as somebody who's had relationships in the area for your entire life and, the ability to do that. And, you know, it's interesting because as I've kind of looked at your name sort of leap to the center of these different areas of Colorado education, that piece that you just described is one that comes through is that people love you, people respect you, you are present in their lives and community. And it's not just the students and their parents, it's also other teachers around the state that you stand with and that you organize with and you're doing that really important work. And, you know, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think that, I think that it, you know, and, and I'm a person with of pretty strong opinions, but I do think it is relationships first. And, you know, if you can't be in community with somebody, then you're not gonna be able to build community with them. And you certainly won't find healing. Healing is such an important thing at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what, uh, one more question before the big segment of the show. Um, between Space Camp, Washington Week, and other things that you're doing, what are you most looking forward to?
1: Um, I know it's not going to come as a shock that Space Camp is probably at the top of my list. I'm You very- are
0: going to love Space Camp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hot. think it's hot. great. It'll be hot. I bet it will be. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, no, uh, the hyperhidrosis is a real thing in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, but yeah, so space. So, so tell me about space. Like, I know this is probably obvious to everybody in the world, but tell me what it is about Space Camp that you're excited about. No,
1: I just, I'm a science nerd. I'm a science nerd through and through. I don't really care about the subject. I just love learning about the world around me. I think it's fascinating. Um, and I love being able to take that to my students. So I'm excited to just go and have that experience. But I'm also excited about sharing it with my students and really yeah. reach- um On my the Instagram page, you talked about like that's one from you know just my classroom and being able to share that with the kids and letting them yeah. see the, the things that are going on. So I think it'll be it'll be great. I'm a little jealous because my brother got to do it when he was a kid and I didn't. So now oh. I get to do it in his face. There you go, Jacob. I'm it's doing like, it. Yeah.
0: Now I'm an adult and I have money and I can do things there. Like I can order like Uber Eats, which will actually be a thing after a few days. <laughs> 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 it will need to be. A- need to be a thing. No, and I'm not going to give you a lot of spoilers. I will say uh, Destiny is the best me. Um, <laughs> so I was on Team Destiny and That's- we... We, we got a recognition as the best team. We didn't win anything, but, um, <laughs> and, and the challenges, man, whoever has you on their team for those challenges. Oh man. The, the, y'all y'all got the dub. You get mm-hmm. Colorado on your team. Oh, gosh. Uh, it won't be like this past year. It'll like, that's, that's a dub right there. You're going to get it right there. That's so fun. yeah, I'm excited. It'll be great. It's great. Yeah. I, I'm like dying to tell you all about it, but I also want you to like experience it yourself and like have that happen, but it, it's great. It, it was super fun. Um, and the relationships were great. And Huntsville's not that bad. You can, you, you heard it here. Um, okay, good. Well, Adam Rivera, before we conclude our time together, I wanna um, bring you around to one of my favorite segments on Habitually Disruptive, and that is your top five anything. So this can be anything really. Um, it can be top five albums. I'm thinking about my friend Luis, who was on the show and he had his his top five video games that he's ever played. Definite millennial status right there. Um, So have you had a chance to think about your top five, anything you have until I I find a pen.
1: Okay, well, I I went a couple different routes, um, but I think I'm stick with the Ninja Turtle theme.
0: Yes, oh, I love it.
1: You, my top five Ninja Turtle characters, as because many of my students need to know the ranking. Um, So I'm gonna put at number five is everyone's favorite Splinter. So wise and and we love everything.
0: Oh, the memes too. I know. So many good Splinter memes.
1: (laughs) Um, Number four will be um, Raph. Everyone loves Raphael. I'm
0: finding him a little moody.
1: He needs to like maybe do some Zen moments. He's kind of a lot. Do you think
0: Raphael is overrated?
1: I think people I, I actually wonder why people are so drawn to him because people really are like a lot of mm. my students love Raphael and and no judgment, but he's not he's well, not my favorite um, number three would be ah, three and two are gonna be a tie between Leonardo and Michelangelo I love
0: okay
1: Michelangelo is funny I really appreciate him and I appreciate the the leadership of Leonardo but my number one the top one that is a test question multiple times for my students throughout the year it's who is my oh. favorite turtle. Ah. And that would be Donatello. Donatello. He's nerd. He's funny yet smart. I appreciate him. Um <laughs> I have a lot of of my Ninja Turtle stuff. Donatello definitely is taking over. I have a lot of Donatello things. I have a giant mug a student got me like a,
0: a goblet. Of Donatello. <laughs> Donatello goblet. I feel yes. like you could be in like a Ninja Turtles rap video. Um you know with, oh, yeah. <laughs> with the goblet. Was who, who was it? Who was it? Did MC Hammer do the Ninja Turtles rap song?
1: Oh gosh. I'm thinking
0: they're of like, it. Uh, so no,
1: no, no, no. Uh, who sings? Um, oh my God, I can visualize his face. Um, there's two I'm of them. Googling I think it might it. be at Hammer and then someone else. There's two of them.
0: And oh, wait. It is- it, 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 Google automatically took me to Ninja Turtles Raphael. That is not what I'm looking
1: for. Yeah, I told you that's everyone's favorite.
0: Oh, no. Tell me it's not vanilla ice.
1: I was going to say it's vanilla ice. It is vanilla oh, ice. Is- like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so disappointing what
1: that's cool. i can picture him because in the second movie he's he they sing they have so that. there
0: is a version of turtle jam uh called or there yeah so it was influenced by turtle jam shell shock by juicy mm-hmm. j Wiz khalifa and ty dollar sign so i might have to check that out okay. because we just have to remove vanilla ice from the vanilla ice really i know how is that i don't, don't even know I'm so that's disappointed. Really
1: yeah, but they're good. It's, I, I used to make the students watch the movies too when we had time I had like this. Really like you cannot leave my class without having watched the really weird third movie where they go to China for a while, but it's still a great movie. So you have to watch it. I love this.
0: No, that's brilliant. So there you have it, folks. 2022 Colorado Teacher of the Year, Autumn Rivera's top five Ninja Turtles. This will be posted on our social media um, if you have a problem with it, don't at me. It's not my list. Um, <laughs> you can find Autumn all over the internet right now as the 2022 Colorado Teacher of the Year. So at her, definitely. And I think, know. I think you're ready to have that fight. Like, I feel like you're not You're not scared. No, like, you, I'm ready. Yeah. Bring it on. That I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Autumn, thank you so much for joining us today on Habitually Disruptive. Really looking forward to just hearing about how things go for you. And uh, once again, congratulations. It's a big deal. Forever, you will be the 2022 Colorado Teacher of the Year. Like that will always be a thing. And I'm just so happy for you.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciated it.
0: And folks, if you want to follow uh, Habitually Disruptive on social media, you can follow us. On Instagram and Twitter and Facebook by searching at Tudor Teachers. You can also support us on Patreon. Podcasting is not free. Um, we would do it for free if it wasn't for capitalism. So you can uh, support us for as little as $5 a month on Patreon and uh, you'll get shout outs and all that kind of stuff. Shout out to all our patrons who have been able to make this possible. Uh, we are also brought to you by Quetzal Educational Consulting. Check out our website, TudorTeachers.com, for more information on Quetzal and uh thank you and we hope you have a happy Monday and uh stay disrupted